Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. If you get pull, pulled away, there's a raid, you're arrested as a terrorist, you've got drugs at your place, you start vomiting, you've got diarrhoea, you've got to go out and experience the sunshine, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchy Society is a society without rulers. One way, not the only way, one way of creating a society without rulers is to create a society society where wealth and power is shared. Power is shared through direct democratic principles, which is based on a delegation system where you make decisions and then coordinate those decisions at a local, national, regional and national level, or and where wealth, the Commonwealth, is used for the common good. So if you're after excitement, you want to sever heads in the middle of the desert, you want to become a corporate leader, the Prime Minister of Australia... I suggest you turn off. This isn't the program for you. Go back on the net and find your program. Now, we've got a few things. The first thing I'd like to say is that next week I'll be making a major announcement. So if you are a regular listener to the program, you may be interested because we may be needing your support. Now, a few things I'd just like to get off the table before we start. The... I'd like, first of all, to uh, pay my respects to uh, Ronnie May. Ronnie was uh, 72. He died uh, late last week. He was one of the early uh, members of the public interest before corporate interests. Ronnie was known as the weed warrior in his circle of friends, not because he grew weed. Let's get that right but because he was heavily involved in the uh, outer Melbourne struggle in the pines in Frankston to uh, keep the pines fauna and flora reserve open as the Eastern Three-Way was uh, built through it. Ronnie is uh, uh, tragically was a Collingwood supporter, but that's another matter, Uh, and they loved boating, but he was a quite an activist and I remember I've only, I only knew Ronnie for about two years 
But I remember he helped me in the Frankston election during the Victorian state election uh, one and a half years ago, and Ronnie was in his wheelchair running around, uh, handing out leaflets, uh, how to vote cards, and talking to people about putting public interests before uh, corporate interests. He'll be missed by a lot of people in his local community. He'll be especially missed by uh, Gillian Collins and his daughter, and if you knew Ronnie, or if you didn't know, even if you didn't know Ronnie, and you want to pay your respects, his funeral will be held on um, Thursday, which is the thirty-first of March. It'll be held at two fifteen p.m. at the Wilson Chapel at the uh, Springvale uh, Memorial Garden slash Crematorium, which is off Police Road or Princess Princess Freeway in Mulgrave, so uh, you're all welcome to attend, uh, to pay our respects to another warrior who was involved in the struggle to make uh, a better world. And uh, I think it's important that we remember people who are involved in those struggles because they do make a sacrifice. We all make sacrifices. And at the end of the day, it's important that those sacrifices are uh, acknowledged. And Ronnie was a quite humble man, but he was a very strong. He had a strength about him and, and considering the health issues that plagued his life, he was only 72 when he died. He was a local boy born in East Brighton in Melbourne 72 years ago and uh, considering all the health issues he had to deal with, uh, it's uh, extraordinary the contribution he was actually able to make. So if you want further details about the uh, Memorial, which will be held at 2.15 at the Wilson Chapel at the uh, Springvale Memorial Gardens Crematorium in Mulgrave in Melbourne on Thursday the 30th of March. If you haven't got all those details and you want those details, just give me a call on 0439 395 489. Now, a few more announcements because it's good to get the announcements over uh, because obviously people listen to the program, they don't listen for the announcements, although sometimes, as in Ronnie's case, they're of uh, profound interest to people. Now, on this Sunday, if you find yourself in the Melbourne CBD, you are welcome to attend the Federal Republic of West Papua Office second birthday party. Whether you're a member of the Rent Collective or not, it doesn't matter. We are invited, if you're listening to this program, it doesn't matter if it's in Fargo, or Alice Springs, you're invited this Sunday at 1pm on Sunday the 3rd of April. Celebrations go usually for two or three hours. Food is provided by Dapul Sampari and we encourage people to bring along extra food and drinks to add to the communal table. Now, it's not just a celebration. Uh, this office has now been in existence for uh, two years. It's played a pivotal role in the West Papua independence struggle. Remember the West Papua independence movement of the orphans of the uh, national liberation struggles across the world. They've got very little support from any quarter. I mean, I remember a particularly noxious situation a few years ago when Senator Madigan uh, tried to put up a motion in the Senate uh, offering his condolences to a uh, Australian West Papuan activist who died in a bicycle accident in uh, Darwin, and the motion wasn't put because both the Liberal National Party 
and the Australian Labor Party refused to have the word West Papua in the motion. Now, these are people, West Papuans, as a small community. We're talking about hundreds, not hundreds of thousands, hundreds in this, um, in this country, you know, less than 500, who find themselves spied on, not just by the Australian government, by the Indonesian uh, consuls and an embassy in this country. And we don't see the actual Australian government protecting its residents and citizens who've come to this country as refugees. They basically give a wink and a nod to the Indonesian government to conduct their surveillance activities. So having an office has been a real fawn in the side of the Indonesian government, a real fawn, because it's been, it's the actual, the only office, Federal Republic of West Papua office, functioning office in the world. And the Melbourne office in, the office in Melbourne has played a pivotal role in furthering the aims of the West Papua independence movement. So if you want to get involved in something that's... Um, you want to try before you buy, come along. Come along to the uh, birthday celebration at 1pm on Sunday the 3rd of April. There are two speakers, uh, Reverend Robert Stringer, who's a United Church minister, who'll be speaking about his recent six-week trip to West Papua to give an up, up-to-date account of what's actually happening in West Papua. I mean, the people of West Papua are a little more than... Uh, you know, slaves to the Indonesian military. And uh, jo- Dr Jacob Rumbiak, who's the Federal Republic of West Papua Minister of Foreign Affairs, will be reporting on the 2016 agenda for the office. So, look, uh, we're looking for members for the Rent Collective. As I said last week, we are desperately short of... We need at least 10 new members in the next three to four weeks. You don't get anything for it. What you get is the satisfaction of knowing. I mean, you don't get a big, uh, you know, bunch of flowers. You get the satisfaction of knowing that you're uh, involved in keeping this office open. The office now. If you want to come to the uh, birthday celebrations, it's at 838 Collins Street in Docklands. You'll come to the glass door. Most likely, that'll be locked. You just walk around the side and uh, the celebration will be going ahead at the meeting room at the back. The office is located at Suite 211 at 838 Collins Street, Dockland. It's easy to join the the Rent Collective. You can do it anonymously. All you need to do is put $30 a month into the uh, Commonwealth Bank uh, account. We'll give you all the details. You can either ring me, as I said before, on that same number, 0439 395 489. You can email us at annexedage at yahoo.com or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. As I said before, we need 10 new members urgently, but more importantly, we want a lot of people to turn up at these celebrations to uh, celebrate what is a, a victory. We've raised over almost $55,000, to keep the office open over the last two years and we are on the verge of re-signing another 12-month lease with a... 12-month option, all courtesy of the West Papua and Rent Club. If you say to me, I can't afford $30 a month, I understand, but do you have three friends? If you've got three friends, you can ask them to donate $2 a week. $2 a week. That's a thirty. That's about 27 cents a day. $2 a week. Hey, presto, you got $8 a week. Four weeks, that's $32. $2 more than you need to be a member if you have got no friends, you can put in money into the account any time you like. And if you want to, if you can't be bothered paying your thirty dollars a month, you can always uh, put the three hundred and sixty dollars into the account. Now nobody's going to ring you up 
Nobody's going to hassle you. Nobody's going to write to you that you haven't put the money in. This is a voluntary association of Australians who are willing to do the right thing. But as I said, the orphans of the national independence struggle across the world. I mean, it's extraordinary how much Australians know about the struggle in Palestine, how much Australians know about the struggle in southern Sudan, how much Australians know about national liberation struggles across the world. But it's extraordinary how little people know about the West Papua independence struggle, which has been going on in West Papua since 1961, which has resulted in the direct and indirect deaths of over 500,000 West Papuans from a population of less than 2 million where every day there are atrocities committed, people have been disappearing, people have been shot dead, extrajudiciary executions going on in West Papua, and, and these are people who deserve our support. Now, the West Papuan uh, Ren Collective, the Independence Movement Ren Collective, we don't tell the West Papuan activists how to run their office. That's their business. We raise the money. This frees them, gives them the opportunity to continue that struggle free of interference from the uh, West pa- from the Australian government. If they had financed the office, I can assure you it would have been closed down because, investi- because Australians, uh, citizens and residents are putting money into that account. There is nothing the Australian government can do. So you can do it anonymously. You can do it via the internet. Do a cheque. You can walk into any bank, Commonwealth Bank, once you've got the details of the account, Put thirty dollars in a month anonymously, three hundred and sixty dollars for the year if you've got the if you've got the spare cash. But uh, as they say, try before you buy. Come down, have a look at the office, talk to the activists, listen to the guest speakers. Join us at one p.m. Sunday the third of April. This uh, Sunday the third of April. That's if you're in Melbourne, eight hundred and thirty-eight Collins Street. Uh, just walk around the glass doors and bingo, the party's there. Okay, let's move on. And as I said, oh yeah, one more thing, one more announcement, one more announcement, I nearly forgot. Look, I need a little bit of support. This is not about the special announcement next week, but this is a separate matter. At 10am on Monday the 4th of April, I'll be appearing in the Supreme Court of Victoria, representing myself which is located at 436 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. I'm involved in a judicial review of a magistrate's decision in the Court of Victoria regarding compulsory voting. This is the sixth time I've now been to court over this matter. This time I'm actually the plaintiff, not the defendant, and it's quite interesting that the Magistrates' Court of Victoria is the first defendant and the Australian Electoral Commission is the second defendant. The matter is listed for a full hearing. It should take half a day. It is The court is open to the public. I invite you to come along and uh, get there before 10am. Uh, it'd be nice to have the uh, court filled with uh, supporters. It always It's important to show the uh, people involved that there is a little bit of support for this type of action. So uh, if you're in Melbourne and you want to join me, on Monday the 4th of April, which is uh, next Monday at 10am in the Supreme Court of Victoria for a judicial review of a magistrate's court decision regarding compulsory voting. 436 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. 436 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. Yours truly is the plaintiff. The first defender is the magistrate's court of Victoria. The Australian Electoral Commission is the second defendant. So I'm actually taking the magistrate's court to the Supreme Court in a, in a judicial review. So... Uh, It'll be, there'll be interesting arguments, both from myself and obviously the Commonwealth Prosecutor. So uh, come along and have a coffee. Irrespective of whether we win, draw or lose, 
doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What matters is that uh, people understand that we're not going to, uh, you know, that we stand on our feet, that we're willing to challenge the system and we'll use every legal mechanism available to us to, uh, to uh, continue that challenge. So 10 a.m., Monday the 4th of April, Supreme Court of Victoria, 436 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne. You can, if you want further details, you can ring me on 0439 395 489 or email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. That was a lot of, that was a mouthful, but that's the thing about having a program like the Anarchist World this week. It's about activism. I could, I could go on, you know, I could, you know, I could be the greatest speaker in the world, which I'm not, obviously, but I could be. But unless people take up the issues, nothing ever changes. And that's the problem today is most people are willing. I mean, I've been involved in public interest for, uh, before corporate interests now. I'm the convener for, for a year. And we're in the process of getting all our bits and pieces together to apply for a registration as a political party. Uh, I don't believe that registration will go ahead before this federal election, but it will be. We'll be there for the next federal election, obviously, for the uh, Victorian state election and maybe other state elections if we get registered as a political party in various states. But it's been interesting. It's been interesting. The process has been very interesting because it's interesting how many people, people say putting public interest before corporate interest is a good idea. It's a good idea to get the uh, you know corporations which pay minimal taxation legally to actually do something, pull their weight. Stop being 24-carat leaners and pull their weight. I mean, people tell you that all the time. But they say, well, what's the point? What's the point? Nothing ever changes. Nothing will ever change. You know, and you think to yourself, what's this defeatist talk all the time? You get defeatist talk constantly. I mean, change is difficult, but not impossible. It is difficult. If our parents and great-grandparents and great-grandparents had the same attitude, and I'm sure some of them did, but the majority didn't. If they had the same attitude, we wouldn't be enjoying all the rights and privileges we have today. We would not be enjoying them in this country. There is no way that if people didn't participate in struggle, which in many, in many circumstances meant paying the ultimate price with their lives, we wouldn't be in the situation we find ourselves in today. And it is the, in the corporation's best interest and the government's best interest for people to feel defeated, to feel so defeated and so ground down by the system that they are not willing, not willing to take action, not even put their name on a petition or stand on a street corner or talk to their neighbour regarding the current situation. It's all very well to be part of the, the gunner tribe. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's all very well to be part of the somebody should do something about that tribe. But unless you join some type of social movement, things don't change. Things change when people put enough pressure on governments and the corporate sector to make life so difficult for them that if change doesn't occur, you know, things become very difficult. And that's the thing. And when you've got a dispirited population who have no faith in the system, but more importantly have no faith 
in themselves. No faith in the collective ability to change things. Now, for the last two years, we've been conducting a campaign to raise the issue of corporate taxation on the streets in Melbourne. And the support has been minimal. We don't care if the support's minimal. What we care about is the people who turn up on the day. And on the first Friday of the month, and uh, the first Friday of the month this year will be April Fool's Day, the 1st of April, we'll be congregating in Federation Square at 4.30pm. Now, Federation Square is a big place. A lot of people didn't miss, some people missed us last time. We will be at the corner of St Kilda Road and Flinders Street, where the ticket booth is, where the big booth is at the corner across the road from St Paul's Cathedral. We'll be there at 4.30pm, and at 5pm we'll be walking down Swanson Street and then up to 120 Collins Street to the headquarters of ASIC and Rio Tinto to make our feelings known in a peaceful manner. These things aren't hard to organise. It is hard for people to become involved. But the same type of struggle could be organised anywhere across Australia if people had the initiative to do it. Now, the reason I raise the 1st of April and the campaign which is now being taken over or which has been uh, shared with public interest before corporate interests is that this is fundamental. This is a fundamental campaign as far as the health welfare of Australians is concerned. This is a fundamental campaign. Now you have seen over the last months how the government, the Turnbull government, has been squirming in an attempt to raise revenue because you know, they know, I know. The corporate sector legally pays no taxation in this country, or very minimal taxation, or voluntary taxation. You know, I know, they know, that almost 70% of every dollar in the $450 billion budget, which will be handed down, I think it's on the 3rd or the 8th of May, 70% comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. And that the contribution from the 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and their mates in the 15% in the investment class is minimal. Do you know that people who negatively gear a home that their average income is less than $35,000? And you ask yourself, how can somebody with an, an, an income of less than $35,000 own a second home? It's simple because of the investment-friendly laws which have been passed in this country in the last three to four decades during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution that has swept like a tsunami over this country, that people can legally, and that's the key word, legally minimise the more money you have, the less tax you pay. That is the type of tax system we have. As I said, next week we'll be making a major announcement on this program because this has to stop. Instead of, you know, looking for $500 million by bashing tertiary students over the head, 
or looking for you know another five hundred million dollars somewhere else by ripping apart, ripping open the social security net. It is time the one percent of Australians who own forty percent of the wealth in this country, not the forty percent who own one percent of the wealth, actually fronted up, actually paid their fair share of taxation. This is no revolutionary concept. This is a very conservative concept. You know, very conservative. And corporate Australia does legally pay minimal taxation, do everything possible to reduce their taxation to nil. And the poor people in the Australian tax office can, you know, badger small business. They can badger pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, but they don't have the cudgels or the instruments to badger the corporate sector. So we need to look at different ways of taxation. It's a problem. It is a huge problem. And that's why we've seen the privatisation of tertiary education, the privatisation of public health care, the privatisation of community-owned assets, which have been privatised you know, for a, a quick buck, but we've now lost the capacity to actually get the income from these publicly owned infrastructure and publicly owned facilities. This is a, a real, this is the central question that should be, should be the central issue for this federal election. But it will not be the central issue. It will not be the central issue because none of the major political parties are willing to make it the central issue. They are too frightened of the power the corporate sector, especially the the media has, the corporate-owned media has in this country, to actually say boo to these people. And if you look at the alternatives, which the Turnbull package is offering, it's just extraordinarily low-grade, low-grade ideas, low-grade concepts, concepts which will not cause any fear amongst the corporate class, the corporate leaners, the corporate squatters, because they know that while Australia sleeps, and that's what we're doing, we're sleeping as a country, while Australia sleeps and fights amongst itself about you know, immigration, about the colour of a person's skin, about the language a person speaks, about the headwear they wear, while we do that, they know they've got haven't got one problem in the world in terms of milking the rest of the community dry. As I said before, and I've said and I'll say it again. Think of Australia as a galley. There's eighty percent of the people rowing, rowing, rowing. There's another fifth another fifteen, sixteen, seventy percent, you know, on the first class enjoying themselves and then you've got one or two percent in the super boxes right on top of the galley can't even smell the sweat of those actually doing the work to ensure they continue to live their little lifestyles i mean that's the dilemma it's a real dilemma this is the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia the community radio network my name is joseph scone i'm hosting today's program the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Post Office Box 20, 
Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go... You can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org, look at all the activities we're involved in. I mean, the difference between an anarchist uh, group and other groups is we're not interested in taking over groups. We're interested in supporting groups, initiating struggles, creating that climate which teaches people, which encourages people to take action. Because if you don't take action, nothing ever changes. And we're not talking about you know, spectacular action. We are talking about mass, peaceful protest. All right, let's look at the forthcoming federal. Let's look at the machinations of Mr Turnbull and the Liberal National Party. Now, the polls seem to be closing. They're closing for one very good reason, because Mr Turnbull has a big problem, and his big problem is called Kevin Abbott. Remember how Kevin Rudd destabilised the Labor Party based on personal ambition? It's interesting the destabilisation of the Liberal Party is more, much, much more than personal ambition. There's a life and death struggle going on in every branch of the Liberal Party in this country. Not between the neoliberals, because they're all neoliberals. 99% of the Liberal Party are neoliberals. They've all got the same economic bullshit you know, analysis. You know, uh, Lower taxes, lower wages, big Australia, more taxation, bingo, bingo. But there is a big struggle between the social conservatives and the more socially enlightened elements of the Liberal Party, a huge struggle. When Mr Abbott became unelectable, the party made a decision, and they made an important decision, that was to change the wrapping on the Liberal Party. Having the shirt-fronting uh, Abbott uh, as the wrapping on the Liberal Party wasn't a good look. So they had little Mr Turnbull elected by six votes. Uh, as the Prime Minister of Australia. Now, since the day Mr Turnbull was elected, he has had a major problem. And his problem has been the social conservatives in the Liberal Party. Now, Mr Turnbull has big ideas, being a merchant banker, and a successful one at that with accounts in the Cayman Islands. He does have big ideas, being part of the 1%. You know, one of the corporate squatters, he does have big ideas. Unfortunately for Mr Turnbull, his party has not changed. The social conservatives would prefer Turnbull to lose the next election for them to lose control of the Liberal Party. And that's what the struggle is currently. It's not about neoliberal fighting neoliberals. We've got, you know, seen the Institute of Public Affairs uh, employees now being uh, pre-selected for safe Liberal Party seats across the country. So the neoliberal entrenchment is there. Their economic policies are there. They haven't changed. But as far as these social policies are concerned, there's this huge struggle within the Liberal Party and the more socially conservative would prefer to see Turnbull lose the next election than lose control of the Liberal Party branches. The New South, New South Wales Liberal Party is tearing itself apart. The Victorian Liberal Party is starting to uh, you know, fracture. The West Australian Liberal Party is a basket case and the list goes on and on. So they've got internal problems. So no wonder Turnbull can't announce any policies. 
because he's had his hands tied behind his back and he's had his feet tied and all he's allowed to do is talk. And as you know, talk is cheap. Like on the anarchist wall this week, as I said at the beginning of the program, talk is cheap. If nobody takes action, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter how eloquent I am or how disgustingly you know, I am, it doesn't really make any difference. And that's what Turnbull is, is finding. He cannot, he really has no real control over the Liberal Party. So it's quite possible, quite possible, the Labor Party will do a Bradley and skate through the election with a majority in the House of Representatives. Now, the game in the Senate is a little bit different. This is why I'd like to talk about this double disillusion election. It's interesting that uh, Turnbull has put his future on the possibility of holding a double dissolution election on the 2nd of July, saying that if he doesn't get his little pet legislation through Parliament regarding basically outlawing and criminalising trade unionists in this country, that uh, he'll call an early election a double dissolution election. Now, the eight crossbenchers, six have been newly elected and they are very, 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 very concerned about their future. Very concerned. Because instead of sitting in the Senate for six years and retiring on a nice pension, they'll be turfed out after two years and uh, that pension won't be as big. Some of them may have to get real jobs, which is a bit of a worry. So they're negotiating very hard behind the... We're told behind the scenes, but it'll be interesting to what to see what happens, because as far as Senator Madigan, the former DLP senator, who's now the convener for the Farmers and Manufacturing Party in Victoria, as far as he's concerned, he doesn't give a shit, because his six-year term ends when the next election is called, so he'll be blocking that legislation. My belief is that Senator Xenophon would love to see a double dissolution election, because that would give the Xenoph- the newly created Xenophon Party at least three, possibly four senators in uh, South Australia, maybe another senator somewhere across the country, which would give them the possibility of holding the balance of power in Parliament. And let's, let's not forget that Senator Xenophon really is another economic neoliberal to a large degree with socially progressive policies. Then we've got Senator Jackie Lambie, who's done the mathematics and thinks that uh, if a double disillusion election is called that uh, she's got a good chance of being re-elected because in a double solution election you'd only need about 18,000, maybe 19,000 votes in Tasmania to be elected as a senator. So, so there are some senators who think they will be re-elected if they block the legislation and would welcome a double solution election. So currently it's, it's a ball game. It's an even ball game. If uh, six senators vote... For the reforms, they'll become law. But the dilemma is, and this is what people need to forget, need to remember is, in the next federal election, the dilemma is, if Turnbull wins, he'll win with a very narrow majority, and it's quite likely the Liberal National Party will hold a working majority in the Senate. And it's quite likely that within six months of Turnbull's re-election, that Tony Abbott will gain ascendancy in the Liberal Party and uh, become Prime Minister again. And as you know, his track record of the 2014 budget, this is a man who'll say anything and do anything in order to be re-elected, you know? 
in order to have the numbers in the Liberal Party to actually be re-elected as Prime Minister in the Liberal Party. He'll say anything and do anything. And I can guarantee you that if Turnbull is re-elected, and because of the recent uh, voting changes, courtesy of the uh, Greens National, the, the Australian Greens, the National Party, and the Liberal Party, courtesy of them, it's quite likely that uh, they will hold a majority in the Senate and uh, it's quite likely, looking on past voting performances, that uh, we'll see many of the policies, especially with the new look Australian Greens under Senator Di Natale, is quite happy to do deals with the Liberal National Party government uh, in order to uh, further what he believes is the Greens' agenda, not what the membership believes is the Greens' agenda, that we will find that if Turnbull is re-elected, that it's quite likely, highly likely, that Abbott will be Prime Minister within six months of his re-election and that all those neoliberal policies which have been put on the back burner and the socially conservative policies which have been put on the back burner will, you know, will go through Parliament, through both houses of Parliament. So you should, if you're voting for Turnbull and the Liberal National Party, you're basically voting for the more conservative Abbott-led faction of the Liberal Party. I know it's all complex. I know it seems... You know, what's the point? What's the point? Well, there is a point. There is a point. Without a large, extensive, militant opposition, and there is no militant opposition, and there's no militant opposition for one very good reason. So the last four decades, the Liberal National Party, in cahoots with the Labor Party, to a large degree, has done everything it can to destroy any type of militant opposition. The trade unions have been ostracised and marginalised. To be a member of trade union is almost to be a criminal offence in this country. It is a criminal offence to withdraw your labour outside enterprise bargaining agreement period unless all the paperwork's been done to call a strike for a day or two. Illegal. Workers can actually lose their house. It's almost impossible for union, union delegates to actually get on work sites these days. Almost impossible. And everything has been done, including the new legislation which is poised to go through the Senate in the next few weeks, everything has been done to actually tie up the trade union movement, make it an irrelevant rump in this society. When it comes to the corporate-owned media, they've got their own agenda. They're not interested in paying taxation. They're not interested in promoting anything outside that doesn't help their financial bottom line. We see this on a on a basis, whether it's a Murdoch or Fairfax or Stokes or anybody else. It's all about basically maintaining the bottom line and they'll do what has to be done. And you'll see their so-called even-handed approach is basically their, their, their cheer squads, you know, for uh, socially... Um, uh, for neoliberal policies in this country. What are neoliberal policies? People tell me, what do you mean by neoliberal? Well, these are policies which promote four things, and I'll go through it again just for the sake of listeners. They promote corporatisation. What is corporatisation? Corporatisation is when we have one or two corporations dominating every facet of existence in this country. So corporatisation makes it impossible for small business to survive. The 8 million people who are employed by the 5 million small businesses that exist in this country basically run on the smell of an oily rag because they have to pay taxation. 
The legislation is in place which ensures that small business can be harassed as far as taxation is concerned. But there is no legislation which is there to uh, ensure that uh, corporate Australia pays their fair share of tax. So how can a small business that has to pay tax compete against a large corporation with a huge advertising budget which dominates life in this country? How can they compete against them? They can't. That's what corporatisation is about. It's about when was the last time you saw an independent pet shop? They're disappearing. When was the last time you saw an independent hardware store? I'm not talking about a chain, but an independent hardware store. Almost impossible for them to exist because of corporations moving into those fields and uh, dominating those fields. That's what corporatisation is about. It's about allowing corporations to dominate the marketplace and, more importantly, dominate the political process by usurping the power of Parliament because Parliament is too scared because of possible re-election possibilities, too scared to pass legislation to ensure they pay their fair share of tax. That's what corporatisation is about. It's an everyday reality. We have corporate squatters. Has the white invaders squatted on the Australian soil and removed the land from people who'd been custodians of that land for over 50,000 years? The corporate squatters have now squatted us. They've squatted on the land and the assets and the businesses and the infrastructure which has been owned for Australians by Australians for generations. So the corporate squatters, that's what we have. That's what corporatisation is all about. Then you've got globalisation. What's globalisation? Well, globalisation is simple. It's about breaking down sovereign borders and allowing corporations to dominate the marketplace. It's got to such an extent that in all these free trade agreements that you see that are enacted around the world, and we've signed many in the last uh, you know, few years, courtesy of the Liberal Party, many, what you see is basically with globalisation is that contracts are signed which allow corporations to sue sovereign governments if sovereign governments pass legislation which impinges on their profitability. Very simple. So if a government changes the pharmaceutical benefit scheme to uh, assist its citizens... And those changes have an impact on a major pharmaceutical company's profits. That pharmaceutical company can sue the people of Australia through their government for any losses it has sustained through the passage of that legislation. So while everybody talks about sovereign borders and protecting our borders, nobody is talking about sovereign economic uh, endeavours. What we are seeing is the selling of that sovereign right to determine the type of economic relationships which occur in this country, which are designed to be best for the residents and citizens of this country. That's what globalisation is about. Then you've got privatisation. Now, what's privatisation? Privatisation is very simple. It's when 
publicly owned assets, and I'll mention a few for those of you who are old enough to remember, Telstra, Qantas, Commonwealth Bank, Medibank Private, and the list goes on. Every Australian airport, and the list goes on and on. Now, what public assets were initially set up over the last 90 years, and the Commonwealth Bank was set up in 1911, they were set up to actually look after the needs of people who were not able to access privately owned services. They're also set up to provide service to the whole of Australia because if you leave it up to private companies, what would have happened is that certain sections of the community and certain geographical areas would have been excluded, would have been excluded from those services. Now, publicly owned companies did two important things. One, they provided a dividend to the government. So not... So the government not only relied on taxation revenue, but relied on the profits which were made from these publicly owned companies, which was pumped back in taxation revenue to provide basic services and basic infrastructure for people. And secondly, when you have a a mixed economy where you've got an open marketplace where you've got privately owned companies and state-owned companies, state-owned companies put a break on the profits which can be made by private, privately owned companies. For example, Medibank Private, which was a, Australia's largest medical insurer, privately health insurer, which was sold off courtesy of Mr Abbott, as soon as Medibank Private was privatised, what occurred is that the services which were been delivered to its members have been greatly reduced, greatly reduced, and especially those with chronic illnesses and the elderly. This is a byproduct of the fact that that corporation was was privatised, and not only that, but the hundred and hundred and fifty million dollars per year which was made as profit is no longer uh, part of the part of government revenue. So they privatised it for four billion dollars. Within ten years, they would have got all that back through profits. That's what privatisation is about. And deregulation. Well. Why do you think regulations are brought forth in the marketplace, in the community? They are there basically to protect individuals. They are there to protect small business. They are there to protect us. The whole purpose of removing regulation is to ensure that business activity, especially corporate business activity, isn't, uh, isn't delayed and profits aren't decreased because corporations need to look after the interests of the people who work for them. So that's what you know neoliberalism is all about. It's about introducing these four concepts as the major plank of the Australian economy. I'll give you an example. Now, the, the big discussion at the minute is how do we get those little bludgers who actually got these bodgy degrees from tech colleges and uh, universities, you know, these bodgy degrees which uh, you can't really use to get a job, how do we get the little bludgers to pay back their money, right? How do we get the bludgers to pay back their money? Now, I remember a period, being old enough, where you went to university. That university or tech college uh, was run by the state. It was subsidised by the taxpayer. You got your little degree, and if you made more money, you paid more taxes. It was that simple. You didn't have these investment-friendly laws where you, if you make more money, you pay less taxes, so what we've done is we've privatised tertiary education, introduced a loan scheme which has 
a significant impact on the lives of people who earn less, who've been enticed into these bodgy degrees which mean nothing at the end of the day. And at the same time, you've got private corporations which are rorting the system of hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money and actually not paying any tax at the same time. It's just extraordinary. I mean, that's what privatisation is all about. And we continue to have major political parties sing the praises of corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation and deregulation. The mantra, the neoliberal mantra, everywhere you look, everywhere you look. For example, the business sector, especially the corporate business sector, is saying to both major parties, we don't care who's elected, but we want a few things. And we want a few things. And you can see them as they, you know, they think. We, still, we want to keep all those benefits for us CEOs in the superannuation. We don't want them removed. We don't want those $40 billion of benefits every year we retain to be removed. We need a mechanism by which to put our money in somewhere legally and pay no taxation for our retirement, our, our Learjet, our luxury yacht. We need all that. Then we've got this huge campaign against the minor changes which the Labor Party is recommending be made to negative gearing laws. Minor changes, huge thing. And most importantly of all, and this is the one thing people need to remember, the most important issue at stake is the issue of overtime. People who earn less need overtime payments in order to survive. And overtime payments that were introduced after decades of union struggle to reward people who worked ungodly hours, who worked when other people were having a good time. I mean, that's what it was about, overtime payment. Now, the Business Council of Australia's main plank is to remove overtime payment for the most poorly paid workers. And they're looking at removing overtime payments in the hospitality and entertainment industry. They won't work towards moving over uh, uh, overtime payments in the health industry. And why is that? Because the public health industry is heavily unionised and they'd be in for a huge struggle. So one of the big campaign struggles should be about not just work choices, the reintroduction of work choices, but about overtime payments and how they're an essential payment which is needed by people who are paid low wages we don't want we don't want in this country the american disease of the working poor where you work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week you work two jobs and three jobs but you're paid so little that you can't even meet your day-to-day commitments as i said at the beginning of the program you know it's really up to you I mean, I am a little bit, what's the word, a little bit saddened by a number of people I've come across in the last few months who say to me, people should know better. There's no point. There's no point. If those pioneers, those handful of people who initiated the anti-slavery movement said there was no point, we would still have slavery in the majority of this country, in the majority of the, of the world. If those people who said there's no point having overtime payments, there's no point in having removing children from the mines, there's no point in having public education from, for all, 
I mean, why would you have public education for working class kids? Just what, what a waste of human resources. I mean, these were the attitudes that pervade the world in the 19th and 18th and 17th century. And it was through struggle that those attitudes changed. Through small groups of people initially, created maths movements, which put enough pressure on governments which existed to change the everyday reality of hundreds of millions of people on this planet. So the important thing is, and I hate to use this old adage, while there's life, there's hope. And what is hope? Hope is the marriage of desire and expectation, the desire for change, the expectation that change will occur. And change will occur if enough people in this country realise that it's only through their actions joining progressive social and political and cultural movements which advocate change, that change will occur. It's time we stop fighting amongst each other because of the different headwear we wear, because of our different religions, our different cultures, the different languages we speak, you know, and actually look at what the main issue is. And the main issue in Australia in the 21st century in 2016 is the corporate squatters, the corporate bludgers don't pay their fair share of tax. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, next week, we're making a special announcement which will in, which will need your assistance, your assistance. It's time to stop listening and start acting. Stop listening, start acting. If you want further information about the Anarchist Institute, go to the website anarchistmedia.org. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. You can... Uh, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Interested in public interest before corporate interest? Want to become a member? Go to the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form, fill it in, send it in. You want to be involved in the Facebook page? Go to public interest before corporate interest. Have a look at the Facebook page. They've got a few picnics coming up, which I'll mention next week. One in Hastings on the 10th of April, that's outside Melbourne, and one at Seaford in Melbourne on the 24th of April. Uh, Hopefully they'll be involved in um, a number of campaigns over the next few months. And the important thing is, as I said before, you need to have a ticket in Tats Lotto to win Tats Lotto. You may not win, but at least while you hold that ticket and don't check the numbers, you're a winner. It's the same with uh, radical activism. You need to be a player, you need to be on the field, you need to get involved, you need to become active. That's how change occurs. That's how change has continued to occur across the planet. People organising, coming together, having a vision, acting on that vision, making that vision a reality. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast on via the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. As I said before, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. If you knew Ronnie May, or even if you didn't know him, want to pay your respects, Wilson Chapel, Thursday, 2.15 p.m., Springvale Memorial Gardens Crematorium in Mulgrave in Melbourne. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station listening next week evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of 
death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.